0: and uh you know the I and the elders uh we just feel a letter to the Lord to make it known ahead of time some of your bills hasn't come in yet but as they come in and uh they look to be overwhelming they look to be more than what your budget can handle just know that we're available to you and want to be here for you so just uh don't hesitate don't feel like you're being a burden um you're not uh so if the need arises let me know or my wife, uh Christy, let us know and uh we it would be our honor to bless you in the Lord. All right. Praise the Lord. Um uh, having said that, uh join me in the word of prayer and we'll get into the word. Father God, uh we just thank you for another opportunity to come into the house of the Lord. Uh thank you that we have the freedom, we have the The liberty, we have the awesome uh, opportunity uh, to worship you, Father God, every day. Not just on Sundays, but every day, Father God, we can do that uh, even without fear of persecution. And Father, even if we were to endure persecution, we would still praise you, Father God, for we have reason to worship you. We have reason to praise you regardless of our circumstances. And because and, you are worthy of all praise, Father. And so, Father, we, we lift up our church family members that are on the highways, uh, traveling to different cities and different states. And uh, we ask you to bless them where they're at, Lord, wherever they may be fellowshipping and worshiping this morning. And, and uh, whatever time that they spend with family and loved ones that that time is of the utmost quality, Father God. And uh, that that is a tremendous blessing to them uh, and their loved ones. And we ask you to bring them home safely in Jesus' name. Uh, Father, as we get into this word, we just ask you to open our, open our hearts, Father God, uh, to receive your word of truth in a way that will bear fruit unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to uh, ask you guys to go to John 15. That's where we're going to start today. And uh, uh, I'm going over the fruit of the spirit So, today, we're going to focus on joy. And so, let's get to it. Uh, John 15, verses 9 to 11. I'll go to verse 13, but I'll just read 9 to 11 to start with. And it says, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Abide in my love. He says, abide in it. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So he says, abide in my love. And then he tells you how to abide in his love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, then he gives the reason why he's speaking these things. These things I have spoken to you that my joy, say my joy, joy. that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, Jesus' joy, it, it goes deeper than just happiness, all right? Circumstances can determine happiness, right? But but, but the joy of the Lord is a strength to us. And we're going to get into it uh, as we go on. But Jesus wants for us the joy, his joy to be in us and that his joy may be full or complete. I don't know about you, but I need the joy of the Lord from, you know, uh, in many days and many situations, don't you? It's the joy of the Lord that has carried me through some of the most challenging issues of my life. And, uh, you know, it was the joy of the Lord when my brother was killed uh, through gun violence that got me through that in such a way that our friends and some of his classmates, they were looking at me to see how I would respond. I was a freshman in college at the time. And, uh, And it was so moving. God was really doing the work in my heart during that time. And I just had to give it to the Lord. And I was feeling a lot of the same things the rest of the family was. And yet there, there was a peace over me that I cannot explain. And so much so that there were uh, friends of ours, friends of the family that marveled um, at how I was able to hold it together and conduct myself in that. And uh, it was, it ended up being a great witness uh, to the Lord and it provided opportunity for me to share that it was the Lord's doing (laughs) that I was able. It wasn't me. It wasn't my strength. It was God that was carrying me emotionally in that, in that situation. And so, uh, and God would do the same for all of us in our toughest times in life. I hope you're hearing that. That may be an encouragement to you this morning. And he goes on to say in verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another. This message isn't about love, it's about joy, but there is a correlation here. Because that's a commandment. And he says, if you keep my commandments, your joy will be full. Okay? And so, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. So, this isn't everybody's own personal definition of love. He has defined it. And he said, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. That's my commandment. If you want to be full of the joy of the Lord, then you're going to have to obey God in that. If we're not obeying God in this, then we'll find ourselves... Uh, unable to really grasp a whole love and really abide in the joy of the lord greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends so like i said when we fail to abide to abide in jesus's love then we're failing to keep his commandments and when, when we do that, we do not have the fullness of joy that he promises to those who abide in obedience to his commandment. Hallelujah. I want you to turn to first Peter chapter one, and I'm just gonna let the word speak for itself rather than uh, I don't feel I thought about putting my own uh, putting things into my own words and trying to, you know, explain like a joy, a definition of joy, but uh, I'm gonna let the word speak to us this morning. Uh, chapter one, verses three to seven. And these are actually precursors to the main Uh, text that we're going to go to I feel it's important to cover these first but Peter starts off in verse three by saying blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading kept in heaven for you. I want you to lock that mental picture into your mind because it's going to be critically important to our joy. This is going to be the core, the core foundation of the joy that we are to have in the Lord. And I'll reread those. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's unchanging on your good days and your bad days. In your best moments, in your worst moments. when you knocked it out of, a, out of the park for Jesus and when you came up short. That hope still remains. It does not change what Jesus Christ has done for us, right? He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. How do we and, and, and what can we rest our hope in? The fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. That's proof we have an inheritance that's in heaven for us, being kept. An inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We know by faith that we have been saved. We are children of the most high God. When we made that profession of faith, we became saved in that moment. Our spiritual position changed from being lost to found to being sons and daughters of almighty God. And there is no one that can pluck us out of his hands. Amen? No one can pluck us out of his hand. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He has saved us to the utmost. Now, there are those that have the ability right now to still deny and doubt and not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of all, but there is coming a day when no one will be able to deny it. His lordship will be made evident to all and on that day it will be revealed to us. Hallelujah. On that day that inheritance that we are believing God for will be revealed in that time to the shame of some to the glory of others praise God it'll be revealed to us to the glory of us in Jesus Christ amen that day we can look to and rejoice that day is the reason for the joy that we have no matter the circumstances right And notice he says this in verse 6. He goes on after setting it up so beautifully in verses 3 through 5. He says, in this you rejoice. Though now for a little while if necessary you have been grieved by various trials. So, he's talking to people who is being in the process of being grieved by trials. And He's not saying rejoice in the trials. He's saying in this, you're still rejoicing despite your trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at what? The revelation of Jesus Christ. I tell you what, I'm rejoicing at the, at, the, at the picture of that in my mind, you know, at the revelation of Jesus Christ, him being presented to us. We result in praise and glory and honor at his revelation. So, even more so than defining joy is I believe the Lord wants me to convey to you what the source of our joy ought to be. What does scripture say about Jesus and he endured the cross? It says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Alright? That joy was you and I. That we might be able to be presented before him on that great day to his glory. That we are his bride without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. We are the apple of his eye and on that day we escape the judgment of God and we receive the salvation of God in its fullness. Amen. That in that we should rejoice at all times and in all things that's the reason that we that should stain us and we should be able to have joy no matter what we're facing and I want to do an Old Testament example this is way before Jesus came and and, and, and and died on the cross for us but I want you to go to First Samuel chapter 1 And uh, we're going to talk about Hannah. And how the joy of the Lord, because in that story, I see the joy of the Lord becoming her strength. And I like to read the whole, just know if you're new here, if you haven't been here a lot, you know, I'm going to read a lot of scripture right? So, uh, that's just what we're going to do. And so, starting at the first verse, I'm going to read through the 20, but with slight pauses from time to time, but says, there was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, son of uh, uh, an Aphrodite. He had two wives, The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. So we have a man of God here. Where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And I just want to tell you, back in the day, in that culture, it was a shame and a disgrace for a woman to be barren and not be able to bear children. You know, uh, whatever, let's just hold off on any judgments and whatever about that culture and just appreciate the reality that she was living in. And regardless of any cultural demands, the deep cry of her heart was to bear children. She wanted to be a mother. And to make matters worse, let's keep on reading here. To make matters worse, now, I just want to see... I just want to point this out oftentimes in our most difficult moments in life okay it's we get tunnel vision and we look at the situation as though God is not with us but we we have to rely on the truth of God's word like the scripture says let God be true and everyone else a liar. It may feel like we're alone and God has abandoned us, but God's word is truth. He is faithful and he is true. So, we've got to confront our feelings and tell them to stop lying to us about what we know to be true according to the word of God. Now, this woman is barren, okay, and so it looks like God is not with her but notice she's got a husband who despite the fact that she can't bear children loves her. He does not regard her any lower than the woman who is bearing many children to him. Right? And he loves her tremendously and he gives her a double portion. Every time he's uh, uh, administering a portion to the family, he gives the the other wife with children, their portion but gives her a double just to let her know. I see you as no less. Okay? I'm not looking at you in your barrenness. My heart for you and my love for you exists outside of that. Beside, outside of performance. I love you. And how many of you know that in that, it, it may not seem like much, but even in that, there has to be uh, uh, there's got to be blessing. There has to be provision of the Lord in that. Amen? And sometimes if we really reflect back on the situations where we thought we were abandoned by God, if we look at it in light of God's truth and let it enlarge our perspective, we'll no doubt see that God was with us and he carried us through that situation. And there was something there in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the trial that that, that was a blessing to us that that, that helped us and strengthened us that helped us endure that situation and so let us remember the truth of God's word and let us confront the toxic thoughts that might enter our mind Uh, let not that those toxic thoughts take root and be uttered from our mouths let us let the word of truth be uttered from our mouths and we speak uh, uh, speak things in faith That pertain to God's word. And so, so at least she had that. A husband that held her in high regard and loved her tremendously. And he gave her a double portion because he loved her though the Lord had closed her womb. So, we know that she was barren. And on top of that (laughs) and her rival, that's the other wife, used to provoke her grievously to irritate her. Because the Lord had closed her womb, and so it went on year by year, as the other woman continued to bear child after child, and every time they went to the Lord to sacrifice and, and worship the Lord, the cry of her heart was to be able to have a child and for years that an- that prayer did not get answered, and every year her rival. Would provoke her and irritate her and just turn the knife, and it could have led to fisticuffs. You all know, right? If she turned her attention to her and let all of that frustration and rage, you know, if she got into the flesh, she could have attacked and 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 loosed a whole lot of frustration on Miss Provoker, but no. She just, she kept turning that situation to the only one who could do anything about it. And that was the Lord. Amen? I mean, I'll tell you what, this woman is a great example for us, y'all. She just kept focusing on the Lord. So, we got this provoker here. And it says that uh, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. So now it's affecting her appetite. And so it went on year by year. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Sometimes we men, we can be pretty thick. It's, you know, we're not just being indifferent, ladies. We just, we, we just don't. You would think he would know why she's weeping. But he may not know the full extent of it. I'm sure the other wife didn't just blatantly do it in front of him because he loved Hannah so this is this rivalry within the you know this is their private rivalry behind the back there okay and so uh, and so that's part of that added frustration and it just you know it it just makes her uh, feel lower and lower and worse and it just makes her cry out to God for that need even harder And it makes her more desperate to the point that it drove her to tears and it it affected her appetite in a bad way. But again, that loving husband cared enough to ask, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? So he's noticing these things. And why is your heart sad? Am I not more than ten sons? I really want to speak to this. He know he wasn't necessarily asking from a point of total ignorance. He knew what would made her sad. Okay? But as men, as husbands, we we're fix it people, right? And so he's like, okay, sure, you can't bear children, but you know what? I'm gonna compensate for that. All right? I'm gonna be better to you than ten sons would have been. I'm gonna love you to death, right? And that's going to fix it. That's going to solve it. But it doesn't really solve it, right? I mean, and so he's, he himself, as try as he will, try as he may, try as he might, he just does not have it within him to speak to that innermost need of her heart in that situation. He, he loves her. He wants to fix it. But what he can do to try and fix it just cannot get the job done. And I know uh, my wife and I, when we first uh, tried to have a child, uh, you know, that, uh, that we had a miscarriage. And in the attempt to console my wife, I'm like, sweetheart, it's okay, we'll try again. And I meant well, and it came from a part it came from a heart of love, but but my wife, and I can't I can't say the exact words, but 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 she basically said, but this that doesn't that doesn't address the loss of this one. Sure, she knew we could try again and God would bless us with children, but she was in that point where she, you know, she carried this this baby was in her womb. And and this is a loss of what could have and should have been, right? And so, but and so as a husband, we come from different perspectives, and that different perspective at times can be a real blessing, but at times it can it, you know it can aggravate and, and be a uh, detriment, despite our best intentions. But this isn't about him, this is about her, but this what he's doing. What he has done was an attempt to compensate. But uh, it was but it was it did nothing of the sort. And so why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. They're in the house of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Now notice, she has not gotten pregnant yet, has she? Okay? She's where she ought to be. She's in the house of the Lord and she's doing what she's done for years without results. But she's kept hope alive, hasn't she? She has not stopped believing in her God, in the sufficiency of her God, in the provision of her God, in the love of her God, in her God's ability and willingness to intervene on her behalf and bless her As the only one who can. It it, it needed divine intervention here. There was nothing that she could do in her own strength, nothing her husband can do in her own strength. This needed, either God was gonna do it or it was not gonna be done. I've been there. Either God was gonna do it or it wasn't gonna be done. And and, and are we going, when God decides to move, will we still be in faith, believing? In him to do what he has said he will do. She was so she was so desperate, so emotional, so persistent. She's praying, not out loud. Her lips are moving, no voice is coming out. Eli observes her what is going on here we've got a drunk woman praying in God's house or I don't know is that praying I don't think he thought it was praying I don't know what this drunk woman is doing but I got to go and deal with this how many of you know Eli did not happen upon that place in that moment by happenstance It was by God's will that he happened to want that place at that moment whether he knew it or not. He misread the situation but but he still acted even though he acted in his misunderstanding and it led to an interaction. Now she's there going before God. Can you imagine being in wherever you're at here or anywhere else praying You're really going for God. You're really going after it. Somebody comes in and confronts you, accusing you of being in sin. What in the world are you doing? You're on drugs? It's interesting. You could tell she was what we would say today, in the spirit. You could tell that she was in the right frame of mind, in the right heart. She was so focused on on, on, on giving God her burden and, and trusting God in it that she didn't seem easily offended instead of offense that would lead her to go into the flesh when her rival provoked her that just made her just go to God even harder when confronted by the man of God as a, as though she were a drunken woman she just humbly assured him that she was not what he thought her to be. She was not in the condition that it seemed to him. And she shared with him what was going on. She didn't even tell him specifically what the issue was. She just said, I'm just going before God and I'm pouring my heart out to him. What I'm going through, I'm great, it comes with great anxiety and I'm deeply vexed and troubled. Uh, I'm going before God because he's he's my source, my sustainer, my provider, my foundation. Uh, uh, He's the only one who can do what I need done. He's the only one who can answer the cry of my heart right now. And without knowing what the issue was, the man of God said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition. And notice, all she got was a word from the man of God. But she took that word as though it came from the mouth of God himself to her. Notice, that word changed everything. Her husband, although he tried his best through acts of kindness, acts of love, through words of comfort and affirmation, could not change her condition. She still couldn't eat. She still was was downtrodden and depressed but the man of God said go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition and it says she went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad there's something I tell you what when you get a word from God that speaks directly into your situation that 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 it, it becomes a, a breath of life that just changes everything doesn't it If we're if we're remaining in hopeful expectation and trusting in God, then when someone brings that word, it will have the desired impact on us, and it will just strengthen us and encourage us to move forward in faith. Are you hearing that? And I want to skip, man. Y'all don't know. I had to cut out stuff. Um, Every verse is relevant to me, uh, but I'm going to do my best to skip. All right. So let's go to verse 24. (laughs) So, you know, they worshiped the next morning, they went home, you know, uh, they, they knew each other, as it says in the Bible, and she ended up conceiving. This barren woman was able to conceive and bear a child. And remember, she, she, she vowed to the Lord that she would give him to the Lord all the days of his life if he would bless her with the son. And so here we are in verse 24. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the lord. I'm that woman. You remember me? I'm the woman who was standing here praying. The one you thought was drunk? Yeah, I forgive you for that. But I am her. Remember what you said to me? And she said, look, see this boy right here? For this child I prayed and the lord granted me my petition that I made to him. Here he is, my little miracle. Many years coming. I spent a lot of days, a lot of years persisting in prayer with no answer. Still believing in the faithfulness of God. Still believing that I would rejoice one day if God heard me. Because I know that if he heard me, he will answer me. And I believe that I'm going to rejoice in the goodness of God one day. And she said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. You know, I don't know what you have had to persist in prayer for. But I hope Hannah is an encouragement to you that you are praying to a God that loves you, a God that's for you, and a God that's faithful. Amen? He hears your prayer. He knows your needs. He knows what you're going through. And in his time and in his by his design and in his way he will bring it to pass we've just got to trust in the character of our God I said we've got to trust in the character of our God and in his faithfulness and I just want to skip to chapter 2 verse 1 really quick as, as we begin to wind this down, Hannah prayed. And I would encourage y'all to read her entire uh, prayer, but I just want to focus on verse one. I'll read it in ESV and the NIV. It says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exults in the Lord. Exults or rejoices. Okay? Exults in the Lord. My horn, or strength, is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Notice what she rejoices in. In the salvation of the Lord. Now, it's a... I'll bring that to the New Testament here, but in that situation given the fact that she could not bear children to her husband and and whatnot you know reputation wise and everything there is a lot of stuff wrapped into that and for God to provide this child to her was like a it was a deliverance a salvation for her and she rejoiced in that our V reads it this way then Hannah prayed and said my heart rejoices in the Lord in the Lord, my horn is lifted up. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Hallelujah. Like, like Hannah, I don't know how many years... You've been in what you're in, what you've been believing for, what you're believing for. But I'm reminded of a saying that I heard as a young man where people tried to caution us about being too spiritual. And they would say, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Right? But I'm going to flip that and say, we need to be cautious not to be so earthly minded, we're no heavenly good. You know, not to be so focused on what the condition of our society and, 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 and what the uh, political climate is and what laws are being passed and not passed and, and, and who's prospering and not prospering and who's able to do what and not do what. And we're so, our heads are spinning with so many things going on that, that, that we're, that we're not in all that din, we're not able to hear what God is saying. We're not able to see how God is moving. We're not able to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit because we're not sensitive to that because our 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 thoughts and our emotions, our feelings and everything are being driven and manipulated by the things of this world. And at the same time that we're saying God can save to the utmost and that you can put your trust in him and he is almighty. He's all powerful and he can do all things and that there's nothing impossible for him. We need to be careful that we're not acting contradictory to that. Oh my gosh, this movement is going on. What are we going to do? Oh my gosh, somebody's trying to get this past. What are we going to do? Uh, 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 oh my goodness they're trying to manipulate us through the media what are we going to do you know what we're going to trust in our God we're going to we're going to get into his word and know what thus said the word of God we're going to do what he told us to do that we might be the lights in this generation that he called us to be so we can be a city set on a hill that we can be a light in the middle of the darkness because that's what he's called us to be all right so, so, so we don't have to worry about what's happening, who's doing what, you know, and all that. Let's not be in fear. Let's not say one thing and act another. Let's not say we are people of faith and act like people of fear. Because fear will make us not obey the commandment that Jesus gave us that I read at the beginning of this. We can't, which is to love one another as he loved us. Can you imagine if Jesus was fearful about, as he's, as he's contemplating dying on the cross for our sins, if he was uh, distracted by Roman politics, uh, cancel cultures and whatever the culture was back then. You know, all of that stuff was going on. There is no new sin under heaven. There's nothing new under heaven. Sin is sin. It's been that way since the fall. So, a lot of the issues that are going on today were going on. It may have looked slightly different. Technology wasn't what it wasn't. Well, however you want to say it. Wasn't what it is today. There we go. Thank you, Lord. But it's still the same. And yet Jesus stayed focused on kingdom matters. He stayed focused on the mission God gave him. And as a result he was able to love the people who were railroading him to the cross. He was able to love the ones the thieves that were mocking him as they hung on the cross on each side of him. Both of them, not one, both of them were mocking him. One just eventually came to his senses and repented and said, when you're coming to your kingdom, remember me. You know what he had? No animosity. He said, today I tell you, you're going to be with me in paradise. Because it's, see, you and what's happening right here is the very reason I came right? And and let's not forget that as his representatives, you know, and let's not let the world pull us into these uh, these these divisive fights and these issues that distract us from what ought to be the main issue to us, which is what God has commissioned us to do, right? Let's not lull ourselves into potentially hating or, you know, hating or looking at with blatant disregard those who are on different sides of issues than we are. Because at the end of the day, opinions, ideological differences, all the cultural differences, all that stuff is, is pales in comparison. And uh, what I want to say, it should be subservient or it's, it's below the overarching issue. Which is, who is saved and who isn't? Because Jesus died so that everyone could be saved. Again, Second Peter 3, 9, he's not slack concerning, as, 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 as men count slackness, but he's long-suffering. Why? He wants all people to be saved. And, and we need to remember that so that we can stay in love. If we can't obey the Lord in that, then there's no wonder we're walking around here with a lack of joy. You can't walk in disobedience to the Lord and experience the fullness of his joy. We're going to have to obey him in that. Okay? And, 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 I'm eventually get to this in more detail in a future message and so forth. I am led of the Lord to really emphasize the fruit of the Spirit that we ought to be um, uh, producing, right? That that we ought to be a, we, we need to be so connected to Jesus that that supply from Jesus just makes us bear fruit in Him. Okay. But the Bible also instructs us and warns us, all right, to observe those, those people that are telling us different things and trying to, uh, trying to manipulate us one way or the other. We need to get to the point to where we are uh, uh, observing the fruit, their fruit, to see if what, they, what they're doing and how they're conducting themselves be of the Lord. Are they producing the fruit of the kingdom? Are they producing the fruit of the spirit? Or is what they're doing producing another kind of fruit? And we need to be aware of that and we need to be, you know, cognizant enough of it that we can make the choice that, uh uh-uh, I can see by the fruit of that, that is not of God. I can see that it's not producing people's hearts being convicted and coming to the lord. It's not producing life. It's not it's not producing love, peace, joy uh, uh, perseverance, patience, all those things. It's not producing that faithfulness, steadfastness. It's not producing those things. What it's doing is it's producing animosity. It's producing self-righteousness. You know, it's producing things that don't really give good witness unto the lord. And so, so we can regulate ourselves and bring our, you know, bring ourselves, mind, body, soul, spirit, bring ourselves into subjection and obedience to God in a way that will glorify him. You know, Hannah had an opportunity to, to fight her own battles, to do things in her own, according to her own wisdom, her own way, in her own strength. She could have been distracted away from what she needed and wanted God to do in her life and fought these little battles and fires that would not have produced anything to the glory of God and what would have made things worse. But she kept turning to God, believing and hoping that he would eventually hear her, you know, to persist in prayer for years in that despite no results still believing God just think of how persistent her faith had to be in God and she it's obvious she was not going to give up until uh, until until God (laughs) uh, answered that prayer or she was going to die trying you know whichever came first death or God answered (laughs) that that's what she was going to do and uh, I will close in Jude. Some of y'all are waiting for the chapter, right? <laughs> <laughs> Jude, Jude is only one chapter, uh, verses 24 to 25. And I really hope that, uh, that the story of Hannah inspires you. But it says, Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with what? Great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority. Before all time and now and forever, so you know, I love that we a lot of times we in America we like being capable we can do we we 're doers, we can get it done, and a lot of times we need to rein ourselves in and stop trying to do and the one thing we need to do is go to God right and allow God to fight the battle. Instead of fighting the battle and asking God to bless what we decided to do. Right? And so, we need to give it to God. He is able to keep you from stumbling. You know, when I kept trying to keep myself from stumbling, I, I, I couldn't help but stumble. I kept stumbling. It wasn't until I realized that I couldn't do it that I fully trusted him and allowed him to do what I personally was unable to do and if we trust him that way he's able to one day present you blameless before the presence of his glory with grin on that day the joy is going to be so great it's going to be inexpressible joy but that day which is surely coming the the, the day of the Lord will come We don't exactly know the full glory of his appearing but we do know that when he appears we're going to meet him in the air. We're going to be just like him and we'll be with him forever. Amen? Amen. This, this, this flesh, this body of sin we'll, it will be done away with and, and will be transformed and we'll be like him and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Are you hearing that? You know what? That's, that's where the joy is. That's where the joy is. If he can do that, then my momentary trouble, whatever it is that I'm facing, if he can do that, if he can secure my eternal salvation, all right, then my God can intervene at any time and in any way that I need him to in this present time. I'm not going to, again, be so earthly-minded, so right-now-minded that I lose sight of that day that is to come, the the, the 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 salvation of the Lord being made fully manifest. Are you hearing me? But if he can do that, if he can save me to the utmost, then why would I not put my trust in him for the here and now? Why would I not be able to put my future in his hands and trust him with it? Why can't I trust him? Why would I not trust him with my current situation, going to ask you to stand. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for your word, your word of your word that speaks to us, life that speaks to us, truth that 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 like Hannah, Father God, that she she exults in you, she rejoiced in you. Thank you, Father God, that even in the face of Uh, of trial even in the midst of difficulty father God we have reason to rejoice in you and we thank you father God that although we may not be strong enough father to to stand up against and to overcome those things that we're confronted with father that you will strengthen us. You give us the strength to endure that we can stand strong in you, Lord, and in the power of your might. Thank you that you are mightier than us. Thank you that you are mighty enough that you enable us to stand. That you are mighty enough that you enable us to to, to resist the enemy and all that he brings against us. Thank you that you're mighty enough father God that the flesh that we were in bondage to that we still have to deal with that flesh has been overcome. We are victorious through faith that, that you've even given us victory over the flesh. You've given us victory over even death. Sin is not our master anymore. Death has no sting anymore because we know that because our savior died and rose again conquering death that we too shall do the same thing in him. And death will have, no, will have no, nothing in us anymore. We'll have no more to do with death forever and ever and ever. And we rejoice in that, Father God. That you have regarded us in such a way that you've loved us, that, that you loved us so much you gave your only begotten son. gave us that gift of salvation and all you've asked for us to do is to accept the gift. And that you begin at that moment a regenerative work in us, a, uh, a, 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 a cleansing work that you begin to form the character of Christ in us from that moment on. You're doing that work. Oh, God, we thank you and rejoice that you call us your beloved. You call us sons and daughters. And we rejoice with great joy in the salvation of the Lord. Father, I thank you that you have ministered to us in this way, Lord, today and And uh, I rejoice, Father God, that it's been heard and that it's going to set some people free. It's going to encourage some people. People are going to uh, be able to trust in you more and realize, Father God, uh, that you're faithful to them as you remind them that you've secured their salvation for eternity. It will strengthen them in their here and now to realize they can trust you. And like Hannah said, for this child I prayed, and the Lord heard me, and he answered me. Father God, I believe Samuel means asked of God. Some also say it means God hears. Either way, I asked God for this, and he heard me. I thank you, Father God, because I believe you're going to reveal yourself to to your people who are here and listening, Father God, via Facebook Live. That they're going to have that testimony that Hannah said, for this I pray, God heard me. And I'm rejoicing in him and what he's done for me. In Jesus' name, we pray and thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen